0: Have you ever had a question you wished was answered on the Better Belly podcast? Have you ever heard us talk about a topic you wanted to hear on, but then maybe we didn't quite answer it to the level of detail that you wanted? Or have you ever just wanted someone to give you a little bit of overview on your health history and get some guidance on what might be holding you up in your health If so, I am so excited to be announcing a new feature on the Better Belly podcast, Ask Allison Episodes. Ask Allison Episodes are all about featuring you and your questions on a single episode so that I can help you get answers you are looking for and probably help a couple other people along the way. On today's first Ask Allison episode, we will be discussing a question I received on the gut allergy connection and how childhood allergies are connected to the gut. By the end of today's episode, you'll understand a little bit more about how you can help your environmental allergies to things such as pollen and actually reduce your allergies without needing to use pharmaceuticals by looking into your gut and your childhood. And we'll also be talking about something we haven't yet done so on the podcast – ear infections. And if that does not sound interesting to you, I beg you, hold on. They are a fascinating topic for our podcast. I am so excited to bring you this multifaceted episode. And if you'd like to hear a question of yours answered on the podcast, I'll also be sharing by the end of the episode how you can submit your own question and possibly be featured in an upcoming episode. Are you guys ready? Let's jump in. And just as a reminder, this information is not meant to diagnose, manage, or treat disease. Always consult with your own health practitioner before you make any changes to your health. Hi, Allison. I am wondering if you can speak more about the connection between gut and allergies, specifically environmental allergies. I've had environmental allergies to pollen since I was a kid. and I also had pretty frequent ear infections as a kid. I would get an ear infection every summer for six summers, I think total. And so I'm just wondering how I developed these allergies because it's not normal, right? To be allergic to pollen. Um, Well, maybe it's normal now, but shouldn't be at least in my opinion. So that's my question is the connection between the gut and environmental allergies. All right. Well, this question comes in from an anonymous sender, and he used it through our new program SpeakPipe, which is available on our website, betterbellytherapies.com slash ask Allison. And so if you're wondering how we got somebody else's voice on here, that is how we did it. It's a pretty cool device, and I'll describe a little bit more by the end at the end of the episode, um, how you can also record your own question here. But this is a great question, and I actually have already answered a chunk of this in another podcast episode. And so if you are listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, I want to know the answer too, I would encourage you, if you have not already, check out my podcast episode 47 the gut sinus connection, and episode 45, the gut skin connection. And we'll have both of these linked in the show notes. But in both of these episodes, I do a deep dive in how the gut drives and can often worsen allergies and sensitivities that show up in our sinuses and on our skin this is mainly done through the mediation of the liver and so if you've never heard that before definitely check the those episodes out it will clarify some confusion or at least some maybe like lack of sciency background that people do, may or may not be talking about on why the gut and sinuses and skin are all connected, and also why a lot of times allergies, whether it's chemical sensitivities or environmental sensitivities or skin sensitivities can worsen over time, and it has to do with the liver. So there is a component of the microbiome that is important, but it's really how the microbiome then affects the liver that is the biggest factor in how allergies, both the chemical environmental show up or honestly don't show up in someone's body. But this question was a little bit different, and one thing I wanted to dive into from it was specifically, where do childhood allergies come from? Because I definitely cover uh, allergies and sensitivities in the episode 47 and 45, which, again, if you haven't checked it out, strongly recommend doing that. But childhood allergies, it's kind of like, well, I haven't been living very long to you know, could how how did I end up this way? Not everyone has childhood allergies. Sometimes one sibling will have it, the other one won't. Um, Although there tends to be some commonalities within a family unit of having allergies. And so specifically when it comes to childhood allergies, I will say this is a very big question. In general, we don't have this like Everybody agrees and knows that these are this is where environmental allergies come from. I mean, if that was the case, then I don't know hospitals would have this thing on like we we have the cure to allergies. Unfortunately, not everyone agrees on where they come from or how they come about. But this is going to be from a functional approach. Um, what we understand on childhood allergies and why some people have them and some people don't. So there's two main factors I wanna keep in mind, um, or two two main kind of uh, frameworks to keep in mind when, you, when you're asking like, where did my childhood allergies come from? So number one is gonna be birth and childhood factors. And what do I mean by that? I mean, how were you born? Was it vaginal or cesarean birth? Uh, were you breastfed or bottle fed? Did you have any signs of GI disturbances as a child, such as colic, spitting up, being a picky eater? Did you have, um, were, are, were there any fetal development factors that you know about, such as, did your mother have GI problems? So like basically when you were in the fetus or in, when you were in your mother's womb, what was going on with your mother? What was going on? Like, was she constipated? Does she had did she have, um what was her diet like? Did she eat a wide variety of foods or was she maybe so nauseated she couldn't? Um, Everybody's different and this is not about mother shame or kind of blaming our parents or anything because our childhood for many of our listeners is in our past, but it's something to keep in mind of of what happens. So when you're born vaginally versus cesarean, there's different bacteria or microbiome that are or are not passed between mother and child. Um, Being breastfed, fed, especially even just like getting some initial uh, uh, breast milk when we're born that is called colostrum that maintains contains a lot of bacteria and and prebiotics and probiotics and immune system like antibodies that really jumpstarts a baby's life as well as just the breast milk over time. And, and there's definitely been some decades, I'd say, you know, especially the second half of the uh, 1900 or yes, yeah, sec- <laughs> the second half of the 20th century, that was hard to say guys. So from like 1950, um, 2000 range, being bottle-fed was was highly recommended. It was considered better in some ways, and now we're kind of realizing it wasn't. So there's still... And then there's still a lot of people who might be breastfed or or excuse me, bottle fed versus breastfed even in our current decades. And that can really impact gut development and having a healthy microbiome, which will then impact the liver. And that will make a lot more sense if you listen to episode 47 on the gut-sinus connection. Why do I care about the liver so much? So that's fetal development factors. Again, like what were you exposed to in the fetus? And you might not know 100, percent but it is a good opportunity if you want to, if you have access to asking your mother, asking your parents what they remember about um, either your, you know, being in uterine. Like, was your did your mother have to take any antibiotics while she was pregnant with you? Um, there's there's just all sorts of different factors that can predispose a fetus um, to having problems, and and if you're kind of like. I've never heard this before. There's some really interesting research on how a mother's microbiome uh, can affect her fetus's microbiome. One of them being actually having to do with periodontal health. And so there's a lot of research out there um, that has to do with looking at how a mother's uh, bacteria in her mouth, can we find that that impacts the baby? And they've actually found that women with for example, periodontal disease, so uh, negative or pathogenic bacteria in them in the mother's mouth, that same periodontal bacteria, so that's mouth bacteria, will actually be found in the baby. It'll be found in the um, uh, cord. I'm blanking what it's called. You would think I'm pregnant right now. <laughs> I'm thinking about all these other words here right now, not pregnancy-related, but it's, it's in the cord of blood between the baby and the mother. And so things that you would think are like, oh, the mouth is so far away are actually impacting us even as we are growing in our mother's womb. And so uh, just consider birth and childhood factors being playing into, playing into your body's development of its immune system and how well your liver was developing and was your liver burdened. Other things to keep in mind when it comes to liver burden is did you were you exposed to heavy metals? Were this was there stuff in your water that maybe. Um chemicals or or pl- micro microplastics, things like that would end up burdening your body and it would affect you not only in your childhood, but in your ongoing years, which is something that we keep in mind when we work with our clients and we say, hey, look, you've had IBS or bloating or constipation for most of your life um, or maybe recently it's onset, but there's been a slow buildup over time leading you to this point and what were all those buildup points? were there exposures to, what type of toxins were there exposures to? And then once the body becomes burdened from that, it cannot handle kind of normal irritants like pollen and dust nearly as well. And so that's how you get this like child who just massively reacts to these things. Then there's other growing up factors. So things that after you're born and after you're very very young, um, do, were you given antibiotics for any reason? Um, in this question here, you know, from from this question on SpeakPipe. He, he asked about an ear infection. So it's like, were you given antibiotics for that ear infection um, repeatedly? Did you have any concussions? We know that concussions actually impact the microbiome. Uh, did you have, what was your diet like? Did you eat lots of processed foods, natural foods? Um, did you have any food sensitivities that you were exposing yourself to that you now know like, oh, I know now that I shouldn't eat gluten, but I was eating gluten my entire childhood. That is massively going to cause inflammation in the whole body and that will show up in places like the sinuses and in the immune system and again will predispose you to have this really intense reaction to relatively mild irritants which is the environmental factors like pollen and dust are irritants but they're not designed to make us just like swell up like balloons or things like that so um Those are what I would consider when it comes to childhood allergies. Like, why did you get childhood allergies? Um, And that's honestly not even everything, but you really want to consider, those would be some of the things that I'd be considering. And I really would, (laughs) I already said this several times, you guys check out episode 47, the gut sinus connection, because I go into much more depth on that whole liver and gut and inflammation and toxicity and what's going on and why this is all connected and how it shows up in the sinuses. And, and honestly, some of the signs and symptoms of a burdened liver, because other than your doctor saying, oh, your liver enzymes are a little off, there's a whole myriad of, of other symptoms and signs that can go with a burdened liver. And I talk about those all on episode 47. But what I wanted to spend a little bit more time talking about on today's episode is ear infections, because this is not something we've discussed on the podcast yet. And it's not inherently connected to allergies, but they can be. And so there's two big things that... Um, I wanted to talk with you guys about on ear infections. Um, number one, ear infections are more common in children because of a natural structural development and change that happens in the head, but doesn't happen typically before adolescence. And this is something to do with, with a structure in your head called your eustachian tube. So your eustachian tube is a kind of little channel in the head that links the inner ear with basically the back of the throat. And it's designed to drain fluid from the ear to the throat so we can then swallow it and the ear stays nice and dry and you don't get infections, right? Well, when we are born, our eustachian tubes are flat typically. So it's just part of the fact that when we're born, all of our cranial bones aren't molded to, or aren't all formed together. There's that fluidity of the of baby's head. So we're careful with their heads. We know their heads grow a lot. Our brains grow a lot. Our mouths grow. We get teeth. There's all these amazing things that happen. And eustachian tubes are one of them. So People or children who get... Children in general are going to get more ear infections. And then some children will get them more than others. Sometimes children will actually have eustachian tubes that are not just horizontal or flat. They'll actually kind of be retrograde. So they'll, they'll go backwards. So they actually keep fluid inside of the ear. And oftentimes those children might get um, ear tubes, which I actually did, you know, sometimes eustachian tubes are just extra narrow. And so it really makes it hard for fluid to come out um, and drain out. And that's another reason that you might get these uh, ear tubes or inner ear tubes to help your ear drain fluid until the eustachian tube develops, so that's super normal aspect of things. What we want to be looking at is what is abnormal. So, you know, in this question, you said that you had, or our our question asker said that you had quite, that you had ear infections for about six summers, and I just wanted to, if I were talking with you, I'd be asking what years were they? Were were they kind of pre-adolescence? There's no specific year when our eustachian tubes are like, yeah, they're definitely, they end up becoming kind of oblique. Think of like 35. The, the, the percentage or angle can vary, but they're no longer flat, like a zero degree plane, right? So they, they become oblique and they drain, but typically by adolescence and puberty is when we would expect that to be happening. So were you over adolescence for those six summers, that definitely would stand out to me and would make me say, hey, listen to what I'm about to share next with complications that will show up with eustachian tubes. But um, if it was kind of younger than adolescence for those six years, I'd say that's pretty common. I got them a lot and it can have to do with typically is considered just a normal structural, hey, the kid's just their head is still developing. If these ear infections happen during adolescence or later, then it makes it much more likely that allergies or another structural complication was a part of these ear infections, which... Brings us to complications, <laughs> complications and ear drainage. So if it's not kind of like, eh, they'll grow out of it, eustachian tubes, flat to oblique, you know, that's going to happen thing. If it's, if it's really bad and there's complications, there's two things I would look at. One is the development of your cranial bones and on, basically your head. So as, er, as already mentioned, our heads go through a lot of changes from birth to adulthood and there's a lot of different factors that actually play into it it's we are not guaranteed to get good cranial development and some of those things can have to do with uh, something we covered on episode 48 of the Better Belly podcast, which is where I interviewed Madison Scott, who is an oral facial myofunctional therapist. And she works with children with tongue ties and lip ties and mouth breathing and tongue thrusting, and basically helps their, their heads develop correctly. One of, the, one of the things that's interesting is that there's been several dentists and one in particular, I actually didn't look this up before the podcast, so I'm blanking on his name. But there was one dentist in the 1900s who traveled around the world to all these different kind of tribes who were not a part of the developed world, and was looking at their dental hygiene. And particular, he was really interested in things like cavities, but also what was their did they have straight teeth? And I and I don't know why he was interested in this. I'm like, how did he know? He had to travel by boat. I mean, this is before like the internet, right guys? So he was doing this before the internet and he was traveling around the world, visiting all these tribes and just checking out their oral health. And he was noticing there were fewer cavities and 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 very few people from these aborigine tribes and tribes in Africa, all these different things. They had straight teeth. And he's like, what the heck? We are in a developed world and all our people have crooked teeth. And yet these people have straight teeth. What are they doing? What is different? Like why you would think teeth, everyone would have crooked teeth. And what he found is that is not the case. There are factors that impact our our mouth's development, both the top layer, which is attached to bones and and our hard palate and the bottom set of our teeth, which is attached to our jaw. And so, um, our we cannot take for granted the fact that how our teeth end up looking and how our how our mouth is developing. Uh, it varies just as much as with the head. It's impacted by our tongue. It's impacted by food we're eating, our breathing patterns, um, tongue ties, fascial restrictions, all sorts of stuff. And I talked about that in episode 48. So if you're interested in like, yeah, I had eustachian tube problems. Yeah. I know that I had ear infections. Yeah. I, um, and I'm about to talk about some other problems and symptoms that come up in children and in adults, Um, If you have poor cranial development, or I guess you could say you had it and now you're kind of stuck with it, and you're not quite stuck by the way, but but you're currently subjected to some of its symptoms, check out episode 48 and it's titled, Got Snoring, Sleep Apnea, TMJ, or Teeth Grinding? You May Need an Orofacial Myofunctional Therapist. It's great. So Um, Some things that can impact cranial development are going to be tongue and lip ties, uh, poor sucking quality, because sucking as an infant is part of how we actually lift our hard palate and start opening up our sinuses, fascial restrictions in our bodies as children. Were you born with the assist of forceps or a vacuum that really does a lot of trauma to the cranial bones and to our fascia? And can really impact the development of a child's whole body, let alone specifically their head and eustachian tubes, and then hence leading to ear infections. But some other signs of cranial development that is impaired or dysfunctional in children is going to be mouth breathing, snoring, poor sleep habits, like just difficulty falling asleep, staying asleep, restless legs syndrome, fussy eaters, colic problems, latching problems as a baby, headache and migraines as a child, irritability and anger problems, ADD. And that has to do with uh, airway problems and not getting enough oxygen at night. So your brain's kind of You're basically starved of oxygen for some of your most important developmental hours, which is when you're sleeping. And that will result in some different mood and or um, learning difficulties, tongue thrusting, um, and just generally being behind developmental curves. Maybe it's speaking or walking or learning difficulties in school or seemingly like quote unquote hormonal or mood problems that are going to show up even into adolescence or growth spurts that are behind. Because how you breathe impacts your your whole life. It is fascinating. Um, And then even things like recurring sinus infections. Because how your head develops impacts how your sinuses develop, how you're breathing. Can you breathe at night? Are you congested? All these things. And then, of course, it's going to impact your eustachian tubes. Um, some signs of poor cranial development in adults you're going to have more of a sunken chin or a poorly pronounced chin, sunken and flat cheeks, maybe a crooked nose, tired looking eyes, or maybe like just puffiness around your eyes, facial swelling, or like this puffy face look, which I've had. Um, and actually, I have several of these, and I look back and I had sleep problems. I had restless leg syndrome. I had so, I'm like a classic poster child of having poor cranial development, and I had colic, and I had ear infections. Um, and I really wish, I don't blame anyone for this. I really wish my parents knew what craniosacral therapy was because it could, probably would have changed my life. It would have changed my anxiety and my depression and my. I mean, just so many things. Um, And I think that's one of the reasons why me getting craniosacral therapy as an adult has impacted me so much and why I wanted to learn craniosacral therapy, um, which I'm jumping ahead of myself here. But craniosacral therapy cat out of the bag is actually one of the ways you can address these problems both in children and in adults. But some other signs of of poor cranial development in children or in adolescence and adulthood is going to be an expander, needing an expander for your mouth because your tongue is the natural expander of your mouth, but if your tongue isn't resting on the roof of your mouth, then you're not going to get that expansion and you'll have to manually expand it, which is much more um violent you could say for the head uh and it's better if it's done by the tongue anyways sleep difficulties such as insomnia i already mentioned restless leg syndrome not waking up feeling rested difficulty swallowing pills or food in the mouth getting sinus infections once a year or more sinus infections y'all are not normal (laughs) They are not normal, and people who get them regularly just are like, oh, this is my yearly sinus infection. Red flag. That is a huge red flag that your cranial development is off and or you probably have chronic inflammation, likely from gut problems. So if you do get chronic sinus problems and you've got acid reflux, bloating, constipation, you name it, GI problem, you likely have this gut sinus connection um, thing and I would strongly recommend you check out the other podcast episode 47. Find a craniosacral therapist and find someone to help you find a functional practitioner to deal with your gut inflammation and problems. Um, neck and shoulder pain is another big symptom of poor cranial development because your muscles aren't aligned correctly and so they're having to strain in ways that they they wouldn't for good cranial development and your head's basically just not on straight. Uh, headaches and migraines, kind of connected to that um, pressure system imbalance of the head due to poor muscular balance, uh, connecting to the head, crooked teeth, and there's specific patterns that that actually orofacial malfunctional therapists will assess for and say, oh, this crooked teeth pattern. Um, overbite, underbites, all sorts of weird scissoring stuff that they can evaluate and say, this actually shows that your tongue or your jaw or your breathing patterns or your airways, all this stuff are, are, are doing X, Y, Z thing. And here's what we can do to actually rehab these muscles and rehab these patterns in your body. Um, So definitely another episode to check out is 48 to learn more about how cranial development impacts both children and us as adults. The solution in both of these cases for uh, children and for adults with kind of snoring problems, sleep problems, ear infections, all this is going to be craniosacral therapy and oral facial myofunctional therapy to retrain the muscles of the head and tongue so you can start to help the head change in development. Um, and for infants, sometimes even a lactation consultant might know how to both do an evaluation and help with some of the retraining, though not all lactation consultants know this. So um, craniosacral therapy and oral facial myofunctional therapy are going to be great for both adults and children. Although the amount that you can alter, um, cranial development is highest in childhood when the cranial bones are still forming. So I'm going to put a link in the show notes for how you can find a craniosacral therapist near you, or you can just go to betterbellytherapies.com find. And I actually made like a, easy step-by-step guide on how to use the find a practitioner near you function, um, on a very specific website and find the best person near you, (laughs) not just anyone, but actually like a good high quality person. And then I'll also put a link in the show notes for how you can find an oral facial malfunctional therapist, because they would be the one to assess if you have a tongue tie or an oral tie, any of those things, as well as help retrain the muscles of your head so that they function a little better. It really, really is amazing. And to just give an idea of how much this can impact an adult head, I actually included a link in the show notes that will take you to a photo. Um, it's kind of a picture, but it's, it's it's a drawing, so not of a not of like a before and after picture. I tried to find a before and after picture and just wasn't um, had a hard time finding something that I felt like I could, was like a great example. But I have seen before and after pictures of adults who've done oral facial malfunctional therapy with craniosacral therapy to reshape their head more or less. And it's amazing. This is a picture. And it will show you, the. it'll show you, it'll kind of point out everything I just verbally said on how your head will look as an adult if you have cranial development that went, that was poor, right? It wasn't the full amount that you were looking for and needing. So go check out that picture. If you're like, I'm trying to imagine it, Allison, does my head look like this? (laughs) Am I suffering from these things? Um, Go check out that picture. It'll be a link in the show notes. So that's number one with ear infections, especially like ongoing into adulthood, um, just really intense, but sometimes can even impact you as a child is, do you have these other signs and symptoms that your cranial development was off course? But second this is where we do get back into allergies, is swelling in the eustachian tube and or the nasopharyngeal region, which is just a fancy term for the nose, sinus, and the back of the throat. Because that eustachian tube connects the ear to the back of the throat through kind of the nose and sinuses. And if there's swelling due to uh, inflammation in the body. So it could be systemic inflammation due to a pathogen or due to food sensitivities um, or due to a burdened liver that's now been exposed to pollen because you walked outside. Um, that swelling is going to predispose you to a higher likelihood of ear infection because you cannot get the drainage you need. You need that that eustachian tube to drain And so even if it's at the right angle and your head's, you know, has the right cranial development, if it's everything swollen, it can't drain right. So this is, this does have to do with allergies. A huge part of our immune system is located in our nasal airways. It's the first line of defense against pollen and dust and bacteria. And like I already mentioned, if the liver's already overwhelmed and not processing, just like... Whatever you have going on in your body already, again, could be food sensitivities, pathogens, toxins, you kind of get like an immune traffic jam. Your lymphatic pathways get blocked up, excuse me, blocked up. Your face swells. You know, all this different stuff is going on. And so everything basically just gets stuck up in your head. (laughs) So this can look like practically, other than just an ear infection, just on a day-to-day basis, chronic post-nasal drip, repeat sinus infections, a sense of just having plugged ears and or nose, chronic sinusitis. Uh, You might really dislike planes or driving through the mountains due to difficulty um, getting your ears to balance out to the changing pressures, uh, getting headaches and migraines, having shoulder tension, kind of some things I already listed. And again, I really do a deeper dive on this in episode 47 of the Gut-Sinus Connection. I hope I'm not saying that too much, but basically go check that out. (laughs) If you want to know more about the anatomy and physiology and like specific details um, behind how this is all super connected, because it's not vague, it's like incredibly specific. So the solution, if you think it's more of a allergy problem, or excuse me, a, more of an inflammation problem with these ear infections, is to heal the gut and the liver. And yes, you could be born with both of those not doing so great, which is why I kind of talked about childhood factors, um, you know, in utero factors as you were growing in your mother's womb, all these things that can impact you so maybe straight out of the gate, Um, coming into the brand new world, you actually are already quite burdened in your body. But if that's the case, you can still undo that. That's the great news. Our bodies are really malleable and you can still heal your body. And so you might be struggling with some health problems. I'm guessing you are, right? If you sent in that question and you've been listening to this podcast and so you can still heal your gut, you can heal your liver. With my clients, I use our nine-step Better Belly system to help you systemically address or systematically address your bloating, constipation, and liver toxicity. One step at a time, not missing a single thing. And it's part of how our clients get such amazing results. Cause it's not just like haphazard, let me try this one thing and that one thing. But it's this step-by-step, nine-step proven method to help our that we use on all of our clients and all our testimonials on this podcast to help them get results. If you want to m- know more about our Better Belly System and how you can work with us, you can head to betterbellytherapies.com/slash foundations or click the link in the show notes to learn about our signature program the foundations program and how you can work with us. So, but to end our podcast episode, I just want to leave you guys with three questions. If you're like, how do I distill all this information, Allison, and 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 kind of ask myself this question? So, number 1, just ask yourself, when did your allergies start? Was it like you know, as early as you can remember, age five, age 10, age 15. And kind of subsequent to that, have your allergies gotten worse or better over your lifetime? That can suggest whether or not you have increased your efficiency and health of your gut, decreased it, if your liver's more burdened or less burdened. And similarly, has your gut health gotten better or worse over your lifetime? And is there a correlation you see with that with your allergies, whether you had childhood allergies or not? What do you know about your childhood upbringing? And that gets back to some of the questions or some of the things I was bringing up at the beginning of the episode. Were you a fussy eater? Were you colicky? Did you have a hard time breastfeeding or even bottle feeding, aka like you had a hard time sucking, um, which would be connected to cranial development and possibly tongue ties, Did you have to go through any rounds of antibiotics for any reason? Did your mother go through any rounds of antibiotics while you were in the womb? Um, Were you born vaginally or through cesarean? Again, if you don't know the answer to these questions, if you have a parent or a guardian that you can ask who might know the answers, this would be a great time to ask. Um, I know my parents have told me, I don't know why, but just kind of throughout my life, my mom would be like, you are so colicky. And sometimes we hear these stories, sometimes we don't. And you can just ask. This is again not about shaming or blaming our parents or guardians. Um, and again, we can't necessarily change exactly what happened, but it can create the sense of wholeness of like, hey, my health story makes sense to me. I'm I'm one full unit, and I'm not disjointed into like, I'm just sicker than all the other kids, or I got. The short end of the stick. Like there's reasons that these things happen to people. And if you are curious about your whole health story, getting the childhood and infanthood story is a great addition to understanding yourself as a whole human being and your health as kind of one one story. <laughs> and then the third question to ask yourself is, do you have any signs of poor cranial development that I talked about, either as a child or as an adult? I already mentioned like I totally had so many of these symptoms that as I write them down (laughs) and as I came across them in my studies for craniosacral therapy and learning more about oral facial malfunctional therapy, I was like, oh my gosh. I, this is me and and I have gut health problems on top of symptoms with my liver, on top of sinus stuff that, and sleep problems that so much of this has resolved in my life. And it explains why craniosacral therapy was so helpful to me, why it's so helpful to my clients, why getting rid of food sensitivities and healing the liver and really looking at gut pathogens, all these different things create this one, one experience of just having a healthier body, of having more energy, of of having less discomfort in our body. And so I massively improved after getting craniosacral therapy and visceral manipulation, and I did muscle retraining with a chiropractor for my head and neck, massively changed my life. And then many of my clients, or I'd say several of my clients, um, have seen my friend and colleague Madison who has evaluated them and found tongue ties. And their health also was massively changed by addressing the tongue tie and muscular imbalance um, in their life. And so um, me, I actually had no tongue tie. I had Madison look at it. She said, I had no tongue tie, but I did check. And I recommend you do too. If you have any of these signs, either past or present of poor cranial development. All right. So that wraps us up for our first episode of Ask Allison. I would love to be doing these episodes once a month or once every other month. And so if you have a question, it is super simple to submit it. You just go to betterbellytherapies.com slash ask Allison, or click the link in the show notes. And you are going to just see a little button. You can click record and ask your question. You can leave your name and or email, or you can ask completely anonymously. It's up to you. And you may get your question featured on this podcast and get my thoughts directly into your burning question. I really enjoyed today's podcast episode, and I really love hearing from you guys, hearing what's on your mind, hearing what questions you haven't had answered. It honestly makes it more fun. Fun for me. <laughs> and I don't I don't give free advice or anything through DMs or any of that. So if you've ever wanted to ask me a question, but you're like, oh, but like, how do I ask her? Now is the perfect time. So just go to betterbellytherapies.com/slash ask Allison, click record, I will get a message, I'll get a review of your question, and you may end up on the Better Belly Podcast. Now to end our show, if you love this episode, we have even more coming down the line. Subscribe so you never miss a beat. And if you thought of a friend while you were listening to this episode, I encourage you to take a screenshot and send it to that friend. I cannot count how many times when I tell someone I'm a gut health therapist, they say, oh, I know someone who needs you. So send that friend a love note to their gut and do us a favor and pass this podcast along to them. Other ways you can support us is by leaving a rating and review. And I just want to give a shout out to Nico W who recently left us a podcast review. He said, awesome. This podcast has been a ray of hope. Allison has great energy, asks good questions and dives deeply into so many things that affect gut health that I didn't even know about. I've learned a lot and continue to do so. Thanks Nico for your review and for I mean, I'm encouraged and just helping others find this podcast and know that this is great content. I am so glad that you are learning so much. And other ways you can stay in the conversation with us is by following us on Instagram and Facebook at Therapies. I love connecting with our listeners there and I hope to get to see you and talk with you there as well. In the meantime, I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. We'll see you next week.